Welcome to Total Health Talks. This is the show where we dive and we delve into the, the tackling of health from that holistic standpoint. Again, as I've always told you before, and we talk about this all the time, health is not just one thing. Health is many things, many different pieces. So we're talking about physical, spiritual, emotional, financial, community. It takes all of these pieces to put that puzzle together. Now, today, I am thrilled to have Chip Sebastian, a renowned martial artist, uh, active shooter trainer, uh, and he's from Lexington, Kentucky. And I mean, come on, you gotta love Lexington. They got a great sports team. I don't wanna start any rivalry, but they got a great sports team. Uh, he has a rich journey that spans over four decades. He's not just a martial artist uh, master, but also, and I'm gonna chew some of these words up and mess them up, so I, hopefully he won't take it out on me and, and, and fix me later. But he is also a ninth Dan in Kiyo Jute Ru Kempo. He's in his 40th year of teaching and training. Um, his expertise extends beyond uh, uh, just the dojo, as if that wasn't enough, as just being, you know, the only guy who probably strikes a, a, a fear in Chuck Norris's heart. You know, he also has other attributes. Uh, like I said, that's not enough. He, he, he's a massage therapist. He's a dance instructor. He's a on-camera actor. He's a voice actor. So when I say he's a part of the community, he's actually out here doing the work, he is doing the work. Join us as we explore Chip's multifaceted career. We're gonna delve into some of the philosophy behind martial arts, uncover some of the health benefits, how it actually uh, 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 works. Now, we're not gonna give you any secret sauce um, that, that, that solves all your, your, your problems with respect to martial arts, but he is gonna give us some insight to some things that we may or may not have known and how martial arts ties to our health. So without further ado, I introduce you to Chip Sebastian. I, I hope I didn't tear those those words up too bad, Chip. I, I, I hope I wasn't too bad with them. No, that was one of the best intros I've ever heard. And thank you, Tony, for having me on. And uh, no, it's all all good. Um, yeah, that was that was. Uh, I was just feeling good about myself when you were saying all that. You know what I'm. <laughs> I tell you, man. Listen, I, I've seen your resume. I've checked your website. I've been around. I've seen the work. I've seen your posts and the things to do in Kentucky group. And yeah, you should feel good about yourself. You out here doing, you know, I started to feel like after looking your stuff up, I was like, Tony, are you really doing enough in this world? Are you really, really, you know? So, but, but let me ask you, Chip, can you share with us a little bit about your journey into to martial arts and, and how it all began for you? Sure. Um, my, my start was back in 1984. And um, I actually went to train with my friend Derek at a place here in Lexington called Four Seasons. Back then it was called Four Seasons Kung Fu and Wushu Academy. And it was run by Dr. John Ng, who now lives in, um, well, he was living in Whitesburg. He sort of retired. But uh, Dr. Ng had started Four Seasons in the early 80s. And it was mainly a traditional Kung Fu and uh, wushu and competition school, but it had traditional uh, training as well uh, in many different things. So that was my initial foray into martial arts. And my friend Derek, we were there for probably a year and he left, but I wound up staying. And uh, so I stayed on and I was mainly competing at the time. Uh, at that time, you had this kind of thing coming in from the 
late 60s and 70s of full contact karate uh, or, or what was then uh, more PKA tournaments, professional karate association tournaments, and uh, and then other types of competition as well and forms competition. You had that sort of um, there, but you also had what was coming in as point competition, which was basically like we're not hitting as hard and we've got gloves on and things like that. So you had these two groups that were kind of going back then. And, and I was there when that was kind of transitioning or it was, you know, bubbling out or whatever. And so I wound up competing, uh, throughout the eighties. And then in, um, 89, I wound up going to UK, the university of Kentucky. And, um, there were probably about five different, uh, different styles that were going on as clubs at the University of Kentucky at the time, I did all of them. You know, uh, Aikido, wow. Shotokan Karate, uh, Ishinru Karate, and uh, and what? So now let, let me let me let me stop you here. Did you say you did Aikido? I did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, okay, I, I, okay, I, as a Aikido. kid, as a kid, my father put me in Aikido, and uh, uh, I put myself right out of it real fast. But uh, that was something I really really enjoyed though when i look back at it now i was like wow you should have stuck with that so you pretty much got a, got, got a whole rounded uh uh, uh table of of, of uh, uh experience you know uh I, I i gotta ask though you know because that i i know it's a lot of work i i seen the discipline what motivated you to 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 go into martial art what motivated you to want to go that route well, I, you know, initially I got into it because uh, at the time uh, ninja movies were really big, and you know, and me, you know, we were kids, you know, my, my yeah. running around in little ninja outfits and climbing trees and all that, and uh, we were like, oh yeah, and this place says it teaches ninjutsu and it teaches kung fu and blah blah blah, you know, and so we went in there initially for that. It was, it was sort of whimsical or uh, you know. Uh, but also, uh, you know, I wanted to be able to defend myself. Uh, there was that aspect to it as well. Um, but the thing is, it um, staying in it and competing, you know, it's probably like a lot of us, you know, a lot, lot of uh, young guys who get on the football team or baseball team or, you know, things like that, uh, or they box, you know, it's there's a tribal aspect to it where you are like, man, I'm really trying to find my people. You know, and in high school, all the way through, I mean, I'm six, three, I, I'm a big dude. And so in high okay. school, all the way through, you know, uh, the coaches were coming to me, Hey, you need to be on the field. You need to be playing. You need to be doing all this. And I was like, you know, honestly, I just, I'm not that interested. You know, I just, I wasn't, nope. I wasn't that interested. I was too, you know, busy with my martial arts and, uh, doing theater and other things like that. So I'm just an odd so so, so question here, Dan. So, so at six three, right? Uh, I, I'm six foot, and so I know what six three really is. So you didn't really have to say, okay, I'm taking martial arts to just defend myself, because at six three, for the most part, most people with common sense ain't trying to start no problems with you. Um, so then there had to be some other benefits that actually came from it, you know. So, so what other things did you get outside of the physical component of, okay, I can defend myself. Uh, what are some of the other things that you ended up actually picking up from 
martial arts? Well, I, it's I, it's a wonderful question. I, I it's something honestly. I I really haven't realized until the last maybe twenty years, and uh, I think my body and my my sort of mind or spirit, if you will, intuitively knew that I needed the things that martial arts offers. Uh, and by that, what I mean are things like discipline and focus and self-control and uh, better breathing and better movement and uh, being able to be gentle with people and being able to let things go and uh, not taking it all so seriously and uh, the value of austerity and, and constant training and um, you know, and, and the uh, adherence and appreciation of tradition, uh, all those things were tied into the martial arts. But if you had asked me that when I was 20 years old, I'd have been like, well, I just want to kick ass, man. You know, <laughs> it would have been that, you know, uh, you know, cause, yeah. you, know you know, but I, I think in our bodies, we intuitively know things. And if, if you're wise and you listen to that, that bigger voice or that over self or that, uh, wiser part of you, or, you know, however you want to frame that part of yourself, uh, then you're the better for it. And it's, I'd argue too, that people who go the other way, you know, like maybe, uh, Oh, I'm, I'm hanging out with a group. They're doing a lot of drugs and, you know, uh, but I'm rationalizing my drug abuse, but, uh, you know, deep down, like really deep down in my core, I know I'm going down the wrong path, you know, right. you know, or I'm, well, hanging, I'm hanging out at the bars every night, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. You know, you know, you know, I mean, come on, you know, you know it. You don't need people so, to tell you that. You know. So here, here's here's a question, though, because you, you hit on this just a little bit, right? You're talking about, you know, when I was 20, why I would have done it. And, you know, for me, when my dad said, hey, I'm going to Aikido. Um, and you're going too, and I was like, well, yeah, I'm gonna learn how to beat everybody up in the fifth grade, right? Um, you know, that's the that's the conception of it at that time, you know, and so it's a misconception for me that, okay, you're gonna go in here and you're gonna walk out and everybody's gonna just tremble at your feet and you're gonna be able to walk through and, 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 and crowds are open like the oceans, part in the Red Sea, you know? Um, but what are some of the other, um, the most common misconception that you run into as people are starting to take the training or as people are coming to either your self-defense classes or different things like that. What are, what are some of the more common misconception that people have that we can kind of set straight right here to say, Hey, this is not necessarily what it is. Uh, <clears throat> boy, there are quite a few of those, but I'd say the biggest misconception that winds up being a deterrent from people even trying martial arts is they're afraid they're going to get hurt. And so, you know, if you, like, for instance, if you um, open a school or if you teach a class somewhere and you say, I'm teaching karate or I'm teaching jujutsu or I'm teaching aiki jujutsu or I'm teaching weapons or I'm teaching gun defense, you know, whatever, right. you know, a lot for a lot of people, they're like, oh, well, I've seen on TV where people get hit and kicked and, uh, I guess it's going to be like a cage match and they're going to put, you know, pit me against people and, you know, and, all, and, and it's understandable that they feel that way. I mean, that's precisely what happened to me in the eighties was, it's just like, here's how to punch now jump in that ring and fight this guy, you know? And, uh, and a lot of people don't really want that, you know, they don't want 
uh, to, oh, I need to get kicked in the head 40 times to learn how to defend myself. You know, right. they don't want that. And, and uh, you know, thank God that it was not how traditional training was. I didn't know that until I was, you know, 10 years or more into training that, that, you know, in those days there wasn't this competitive aspect like many people would have you believe these days, you know, wow. right. You know, in other words, if you and I were living in, let's say, you know, 1750 Japan and we said, Hey, you know, we're living in this little, uh, you know, hillside community here. We've got 40 people. And, uh, you know, we know that this clan over the hill is going to come over tomorrow and try to kill us and take our women and take our food. And, uh, and we're going to be dead. We, we need to learn something. Hey, you know, these things I've been hitting rice with to, to beat the rice, they actually could be used as a weapon to hit somebody upside the head. You know, and if I twist the guy's right. arm this way, that makes him leave me alone. And if I put a finger in his eye this way, that makes him back off, you know. That's how the stuff developed, but it wouldn't be like, you know, hey, Tony, you know, we just finished 10 hours of working in the field. Let's go spar, you know, okay. right? Okay. There, there is there is no evidence for that. You know, so if, if anybody's ever, you know, if they're watching your podcast here and they go, well, that can't be right. I've always heard that the tradition of blah, blah, blah goes back 5,000 years, you know, and it's like, well, that's fine. Show me the evidence for it. Well, but here, here's the thing, though. So you, you've been doing this. I mean, you know, you're four, four decades in, right? Um, so yeah, you've been around long enough year to is see. Four years, yeah. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Let, me, let me break math down for y'all. Four, four decades, 40 years. <laughs> Hard to believe, man. Hard to believe. But, but, but you, so you've been around to see the transitions of the, the martial arts and the self-defense. Um, and you've already talked about, you know, uh, uh, some of the ways it has actually helped and affect you um, as far as some positive things um, from a health and a, uh, a wellness standpoint. Um, you know, and, and I'm hearing that 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 your your mental and emotional health is actually in there as well. But you've seen the transition of what it was to what it is now. Right. So then how how ha how have you been able to. Uh, uh, adapt more toward real life environments uh, today. Is it, you know, is it is it just tr tradition? Is this is how it was done, or are trainings being adapted more toward what's happening in today's world? Um, keeping in mind the physical aspect, but then also the emotional and social aspects of it as well. You know, how have you been able to to cultivate that family type of environment with your training? Well, the, honestly, what we do hasn't changed in hundreds of years. I mean, we do have a family-style system with Kyo Jute Ru Kempo, which is the system that I've been in since 93. When I got into that system, it had everything in it. So I didn't need to, you know, go around and do a lot of stuff in, in today's language, what you would say, I do mixed martial arts. That really is a bit of a misnomer. I mean, today, you know, the idea is, okay, well, I'm going to go train in karate for three months. Now I'm going to go train jujitsu for six months. Now I'm going to go train weapons for three months. And, you know, people don't realize that Kempo in its original meaning was we have all of these things together. And that's why, you know, if somebody goes to our website and looks at the curriculum or comes into a class, they're going to be exposed to karate and jujutsu and aiki jujutsu and weapons and all of it, because that's what Kempo is. It's a, a conglomerate 
of these things. And the philosophy in the old days of Kempo was that when you do all these things, they synergistically come together and become stronger. So in other words, you're, let's say you're, you've just been learning jujitsu and you've been learning how to get on the ground and choke people and how to throw them and, you know, twist arms and all that. And then you say, okay, wait, but uh, you know, also no karate. Well, the karate empowers the jujitsu. The jujitsu empowers the karate. If you know karate, you know, really well, and you know, jujitsu, your weapons arts are empowered. Do you see what I mean? I mean, I mean, like, yeah. coming from your perspective, I mean, you're an RN, right? Yes. Yeah, you're an RN. So you know very well that, hey, you know, if if I am an RN and then I've studied, you know, for, you know, if I've studied what it means to be a physical therapist, as well as a physician's assistant, as well as an MP, yes. as well as a DO, you know, then you're like, man, I am a much better RN for all of that knowledge. And and I think, I think. I think that's the greatest analogy anybody ever displayed for me to be able to understand something and make it real for me. Well, it's and true, just your, isn't it? Yeah. It's... Yeah, your ability to be able to read that quickly and make that, um, that, that makes me wonder just it, 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 how your classes are because you're able to pick up something, read it, and go from there. Um, you know, and that goes along with what we do with this podcast. You know, we're talking about total health. You have to know a little bit about all these other pieces, and it makes your piece better. It makes you be able to fit more cohesively with the other pieces. So mm -hmm. in the medical environment, the more I know about what physical therapy has to do, what speech therapy has Absolutely. to do, um, yeah. what the lab people have to do, I can have things positioned, set and ready, and I can be moving the energy of that individual towards those different areas. So I think that is, uh, um, I, I, I gotta be honest, that's about the, the, the best example I've ever had somebody put something to me uh, and I, I, I was able to pick it up just, just, just like that right off the top. Um, so now you do classes and you've got a class coming up. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, uh, I, I do. I'll go ahead and uh, uh, plug the class Th this coming Saturday, uh, which would be Saturday, the 13th of January. We're doing uh, a ladies only self-defense clinic over to Manual Baptist Church. I've done them there for years. They're wonderful. Uh, last I checked, uh, which I checked yesterday, there were about 40 women signed up already. And so, wow. yeah, so I, you know, we, I found out years ago that if you have ladies only clinics, a whole lot of ladies show up who wouldn't show up if it's co-ed and, uh, right. kind of dovetailing back to what we were talking about a minute ago about, uh, what keeps people from training or trying it or, you know, uh, misunderstandings for, like you were saying, you know, for me, six, three, yeah, you know, I'm walking down the street. I don't, you know, I don't get jumped or picked on a lot. But early on, I, I really felt like, you know, I, I just don't really care that much about competition. You know, I'd done all that stuff, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And it, it was fun. But it's not really that thrilling to me. What's a lot more thrilling is being able to teach people who actually need the self-defense training. In other words, people who statistically are attacked a lot. Uh, now, uh, there are four, four main groups. It, you know, traditionally that just get it a lot more than others. Okay. Kids, women, people who are infirm. So people in, in wheelchairs, people missing limbs, people who can't, you know, just aren't, don't have everything going. Right. And right. then, uh, elderly, those are the four big groups. Okay. 
And uh, and by the way, that cuts through ethnicity as well. Same thing. You can take any ethnicity, cultural group. You can take any slice of pie, any geographical region. Those four are the ones. And so, you know, I, I you know, really thought, well, you know, I'm really more interested in helping those people be able to have some kind of uh, ability to defend themselves because a, they have fewer skills most of the time, you know, just because either they're smaller or less able to stop someone swinging a punch at their head or a kick or whatever. And then B uh, statistically, they're more likely to get it. In other words, you know, if I'm a criminal and I'm hanging out outside Kroger and I'm going, boy, who's looking good today to uh, bop over the head and take their, their money. Well, they're not going to pick me. Right. You know, they're going to pick, you know, little Miss Smith who's 85 and she's walking under a place where the lights have gone out and, you know, and they can conquer over the head and take her purse. Now that seems kind of extreme when I say that. However, I would encourage any of your listeners to just read the paper. It's happening all the time. Um, uh, you know, they're um, in your uh, city of Louisville, uh, you know, not what, what was it? Uh, mid last year, you had that active shooter situation. Yes. Right? Yes. You know, and, and, yes. and when that happened, um, you know, I know a lot of the people at our stations here in Lexington and, uh, and one of the people called me up and said, Hey, would you like to, you know, say something about this since you teach self-defense? And I said, well, I, I'd, I'd love to do that. And they came down to the UK Kempo club, which is on the university of Kentucky campus, which, you know, we, have classes down there every Monday and Wednesday, 630 to 830 at alumni gym. And so they came down there right before class and interviewed me. And, uh, and that's online. People can go look at it, but you know, basically I was saying the same thing then that I'm saying now, which is, you know, people need training, you know, when people, <laughs> you know, they, they need training. But when you, when you tell people they need training, like, you know, let's, let's say that you're a lady who's, you know, 90 pounds soaking wet and, you have been married to a guy for two years and after, you know, the honeymoon was over, he started getting abusive. Right. And you don't know what to do about it. You know, you want to be able to defend yourself, but you've never had any, any defense training in your life. You don't know where to go for it. Uh, aired, uh, what if he finds out about, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, well, you know, what about those people who actually need those skills? Now, you know, the, the typical thing people will do is just jump in any old training or dojo. But the problem is, is most of them are concerned with sport. They're concerned with. Well, I, I, I'm glad you said that. I want to ask you on this point um, because I, I've got your credentials and then we talked about your credentials. So a person who is actually looking at, hey, I do want to get into some type of defensive training. And it's not from the need of, I just want to be out here and doing something from a sports standpoint. What do they need to be looking for? Uh, you know, let's just say all of your classes are full, full or they're, they're miles away and they can't get to you. What is it that they would need to be looking for to, to say, okay, I, I vetted this place or I vetted these individuals, um, and this is something that aligns with what I want to do, um, and I'm going to actually get some quality training from it. From it. Uh Number one, you need to ask the people, you know, is your first and foremost focus self-defense? 
Number two, you need to ask if they try to promote competition or if they're going to try to get you to compete. You can't train for competition and self-defense effectively at the same time. People think you can. Okay. And, but the, see, the problem is with, with self-defense training that there is no feedback loop. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, like, yeah, I'll give you an example in, in your own home court again. Okay. You're an RN. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you're, you're in school as an RN and somebody says, we're going to learn how to stick people today so you can take a blood sample. You know, you put the needle in, you miss the vein, you fish it, you know, and people are going, oh, there's bruises all up and down my arm. And and whoever's teaching you says, uh, we need to do better. And you do that until finally you can stick and you can draw blood and it's clean and it's smooth and it's great. Now, you had a feedback loop. You, you right. did it. It didn't work too well. You kept doing that. It came around. And then finally, you're like, oh, I have success. I did it. Right. See, right. self-defense doesn't work like that because, you know, you can't say I'm going to learn how to punch and kick and choke <coughs> and this other stuff. Now let's run out and attack somebody and see if it works or let's wait for somebody to attack. Uh, you see what I'm saying? So what people do instead is they say, well, the real way to test it is let me jump in a ring with rules and we're going to test our self-defense skills. But by the way, <laughs> we're going to have three rounds and you can't choke anybody and you can't gouge eyes and you can't rip off ears and you can't kick knees backwards and you can't break necks and you can't break elbows and you can't rip out throats and you can't pinch and twist skin and you can't grab groins. You see, you know, you're, you're you're taking out all the, I'm not defending. Yeah. I mean, but you've taken out all of the things. I mean, they're the first things that I would teach women in their defense. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. what you're doing is you're you're limiting or delimiting the potential. And the problem with that is when, when you get when you get to that stage of explaining it to people, the problem is people go, Oh, well, you know, if I really had to turn it on though, I'd just turn it on, man. You know, I, I just turn That's it on. That's not how things work. It's not how things That's work. That's not how and things anybody work. Anybody who's spent any time doing any muscle memory stuff knows that. You respond in the way that you train. So if you train yes. and train and train, you say, well, I'm never doing any of that stuff. But, you know, if it, I really, you know, if the chips were down, I'd, I'd do it. It doesn't work like that. You know, I mean, this this is yeah. why this is why, you know, this is why the military doesn't train in paintball. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You, you say, hey, we're you know, we're I'm, we're dropping you in a hot zone tomorrow and, you, and you, you better know how to use your, you know, your, you know, your handgun and your machine. You know, you know, they're not going to say, well, let's go play paintball and prepare for that. Yeah, it's a. It's a whole different animal, and 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 coming right. from having been military, I can tell you it's a whole different animal well, when you're you're well, you no know. yeah yeah when you're 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 when you're training you're training for real so live fire ranges when you're going and you're low crawling and they're firing real bullets over your head you know what that feels like yeah you want to uh, get you know real low in like. live ammo <laughs> yeah it's a whole different animal when they right. when they spray the CS in your face for you to get confidence in your uh, uh, mask. Your uh, gas mask, you know what it's like for real, and, and it gives you that confidence. But if they just said, I'm going to spray water, act like it's something, and put the mask on, there's no confidence. No, I, I completely I completely get yeah, you, that. You see what so, I mean, right? I mean, about the reality of things. And, and you know, we, we had a really bad uh, thing in the 90s where, uh, like when uh, BJJ came in, and, you know, and a lot of times I'll get on these kicks, and I'm not poo-pooing 
people or anything, but I'm just telling it like it is. I, I have friends that do BJJ and it's all fine, man, you know, but we have to say what things are, you know, we have to be real about it, you know, but basically what was being taught it was, was, well, you know, 80 or 90% of all fights end up on the ground anyway. So you may as well go to the ground and just start rolling with people. Now, all right. So educate, so educate me and my viewers on what is BJJ. Okay, so BJJ is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and that okay. is a okay. a descendant of the original Judo or Jiu-Jitsu, which was established by a master named Jigaro Kano in the late 1800s. Okay. He founded what's called the Kodokan, Kodokan Judo. Now, keep in mind all of these things throwing and joint locking and choking they were used on the battlefield for hundreds of years prior to that a lot of people don't okay. realize that they think it just magically appeared in the 1800s or whatever but it, no it's like these things developed mainly because of the advent of armor that's why they developed so in other words you know if you and i were on the battlefield and we were fighting some guys and we were wearing loincloths well you know we could just go up and punch them in the face or stick them with a spear or whatever you know, but the problem is, is over the centuries, armor developed. So you can't right. do that with people anymore. You know, you've got face plates on and chest plates and everything. So as a result, people started throwing people and they started breaking wrists and they started, you know, choking people out and things like that. That's how jujitsu started was on the battlefield. Once again, I, I encourage people, don't take my word for it. Just go read history. It'll take 10 minutes to read it. All right. And, right. but Jigaro Kano really codified a lot of that and it became what's called the Kodokan, uh, or the, the Kodokan was the main school, I should say. And J Kano wrote many books on jujitsu. Well, one of the, the, his students that he sent to Brazil wound up founding or starting what's called Brazilian jujitsu. And, uh, and they sort of treat jujitsu now as sort of their own thing or different from what was going on then. Uh, the main difference is they just stay on the ground okay. all the time. Okay. You know, they well, don't so, do a lot of so standing. I, I've got a question for you myself here, and I don't want to just interject so, for a second. So, um, you know. Uh, I'm sorry, okay? go ahead. Yeah, so so we teach people in the traditional manner to stay on your feet. You know, if you do fall to the ground or somebody takes you down, get back up. And the reason for that, of course, and I'm sure you know this being military is, you might have more than one attacker. So, you know, if I'm teaching a lady who's 90 pounds and I say, well, you know, a guy's trying to rape you in the alley, go ahead and lay down in the alley and start rolling around with him. That's the answer. Choke him out. And he's three times your size. I mean, yeah, that's that not going to be effective. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Yeah. Or no. what, if he's got a, what if he's got a weapon and you're on the ground with him? Right? No. And so, yeah. no, you know, we, we want to think, no, we want to stay on our feet. We want to run if we can. We want to get away. We don't even want to be in the situation if we can help it. Like, I tell my students, it's really hard to be in a bar fight if you're not in a bar, you know? You know, it's hard to be in an alley fight if you don't cut through an alley at 2 in the morning. And it's dark, and there's dumpsters and bums and everything else hanging out in there, you know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, oh, no, I definitely, I definitely get it. It makes, it makes sense. You know, I, I also want to ask a question here, though, because you you talk about and we, we talked about in your 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 intro, you know, the different things that you are. Right. So you're a voice actor and you're an actual in-person actor. And it also made me wonder with your background in film, uh, how has that approach, how has that influenced your approach to training? Because 
a lot of the stuff that you are saying, right, is stuff that I've seen in karate movies, right? So I've seen the whole, you know, in film, because in film, they're trying to sell the movie. So they've sure. got you doing a lot of different things, you know, and it is that whole go to your back, fight from here, this, that type of thing. Um, how has how has your experience in film influenced your actual uh, uh, training in the real world? You know, uh, you know, in terms of the excitement of getting into martial arts, of course, you know, movies were instrumental in getting me into it and getting me, you know, interested in it to begin with. You know, Bruce Lee and you know all that stuff, uh, but. Uh, in terms of how it affects my training, uh, probably the main thing is just realizing how disparate the, you know, the stuff we see in movies is from real training. You know, I mean, and like, you know, once again, you're military, so you know, you know, I mean, if you start training somebody, uh, you know, if, if somebody goes, well, you know, I saw Jackie Chan do a backflip before he hit this guy that was attacking him. You know, what are you going to say to that? You know, you got to say, well, that's a movie. That's fantasy. You know, right. in, the, in the same way, you know, we wouldn't have a, a showdown, you know, if you watch Gunfight at the OK Corral or something. You know, uh, we're not going to do backflips, you know, before we defend ourselves. Right. You know what I mean? So the, the uh, you know, you have to really tell people. I mean, it seems like common sense when you say it uh, to me, but uh, for a lot of people, they need to be told. Yeah, you yeah, were trying. Common, you were trying to end a fight quickly. You were trying to common not. Common sense ain't so common. Common sense ain't so common. I'm come to find out. So it's really <laughs> true, man. It's really you know, and I mean, you have people watching Kung Fu Panda thinking that that's real, you know, and <laughs> so and I and I love Kung Fu Panda as much as the next person. I mean, I watch all that stuff, but but you 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 got to be real about it. you know. Just like once again, you're an RN, man. You know, if somebody said, hey, man, I want to start getting in the medical field, you know, I, I was watching ER and I really dug it, you know, and I, I want to get in, you know, and you go, ER, what? George Clooney and stuff, man? What are you talking about? That's, you, that's yeah. what you'd say, right? You would yeah. say, like, light years yeah. from the reality of things, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. that's what you, you have to really instill that in people who are coming to you with a serious issue of trying to learn proper defense, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, um, well, but I think that I think the key words you said there is defense. And I think that's a very key thing. Um, as a child and as a kid, we think it's all aggressive in the attack. Um, and more so the defense, I think, has a as a huge priority. And I think from what you said earlier, understanding what the demographics is, the people who are being attacked, and then understanding why you would be taking training like this. Um, for my age range, yeah, it's definitely defense. I'm definitely not going to be taking any training at this point to say, hey, I want to be the baddest guy on the block. Um, so <laughs> yeah. with that, what's a, what's a common piece of advice you find yourself giving to students um, when they when they come in? Because, you know, I'm sure everybody's coming in with their own idea. What's the most common piece of advice you find yourself giving to these individuals? Avoid the issue altogether. Avoid avoid conflict. You know, don't hang out with people. Don't hang out where fights are going to happen. You know, don't hang out with people who are getting drunk all the time, doing drugs, bars. You know, uh, pe you know, stay away from people who are excessively angry and have uh, spiritual issues where they can't yeah. control themselves. You know, that'd be the first thing that I tell, especially young people. Uh, but 
after that, you know, you think, okay, well, I can't get out of this situation. You know, I was in the restaurant and there's some nutter who's been yelling at the top of his lungs because his bill was higher than it should be or whatever. And he starts throwing plates and he starts walking toward you and there's no back door and you can't get out. What do you do? Well, you know, then we start talking about, well, you have, you know, a salt shaker there. You throw salt in his face. You have a fork in your hand. You stab him, you know, you, but you know, this is all defense. This is him coming and grabbing you or trying to swing at you. There are people who, uh, you know, and some will even act like it's traditional, but it's not traditional in terms of what the old masters taught, uh, where they'll say, well, you know, the best thing to do is just hit somebody before they can hit you. Uh, that's a good way to uh, go to prison. Right. And, and it's a good way to maybe, uh, you know, hurt or damage or kill someone who was not intent on being physical with you. You might have thought they were going to be doing that. You know, psychologically, your fear response might have elevated you so much that you thought they were going to do it, but they didn't have that intent. And if it went to court, and and by the way, the jails are full, jails and prisons are full of these people, you know, uh, you know, if it goes to court and the judge puts it to the person says, well, I was yelling in his face, judge, but, uh, you know, I wasn't going to do anything to him. And he hit me in the jaw and I fell back and hit my head on a fire hydrant. And then I, you know, and then I was in a coma for two weeks and blah, 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 blah. And then you get put away for it, you know? So, 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 so there's what a, a modicum of responsibility, this learning this training and, and, and knowing this training uh, comes with a modicum of responsibility. It almost also sounds like that you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to be putting words in your mouth, but it also sounds like that you're saying that defense doesn't start with just you being in the position with that person it also comes from the situational awareness where you talked about earlier don't be in dark alleys don't be in you can't be in bar fights unless if, if, you're, if you're not in a bar um it, yeah. it, it, it it sounds like it comes from also being cognizant of your surroundings where you're putting yourself places that you're in so absolutely man what yeah yeah and, and and it extends even further to you know, uh, you know, your partners and who you're around most of your days, you know, your, your relationships, your marriage, you know, whatever, you know, it's like, do I want to be around a person who's constantly negative with me or, or somebody who's bringing me down and making me, uh, want to be a lesser version of my best self, you know? And so it, it extends even to that, you know, so it's, it's not something as, uh, apparently obvious is, well, yeah, don't go out, you know, one o'clock, you know, bars and slosh around and, you know, uh, cause we know bad things are going to happen. Nothing good comes of that. And so right. avoidance or prevention, you know, the old master said, don't get in the fight. Nobody wins. You know, now back, you know, back in those I've days, heard that. Higher... I've heard that from a lot of martial <laughs> arts individuals that that's a huge thing of, okay, you're trained up. Now what's your first thing? Not fight. Try to seek not to fight. Yeah, and, and a lot and a lot of people who run a little bit more on the you know uh, uh, aggressive side or or I've got to prove myself constantly side. You know they'll say yeah well that's just you know them they're they're weak and they don't want to fight. It's like no, we train because we want to train till we're 110 years old. We train for health. We don't train to you know uh, go and get in backyard brawls trying to prove something that nobody cares about anyway. We don't, yeah. we care less about any of that stuff. We're interested in longevity and we're interested in health 
and we're interested in more strength and we're interested in being able to defend ourselves and our families and we're interested in being able to provide for our families and help them as long as we can. We're interested in being contributors, not detractors. That's the whole point. And that's what the martial arts yeah. were. Initially. You know, despite what somebody might see in a fictionalized movie or something. Okay. So it sounds, it sounds like it's more, it's defense, but it's not just physical defense. You're defending your health. You're defending your mental state. Uh, part of this training is prepping and, 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 and getting yourself to that place of, you know, am I physically healthy? Am I mentally healthy? Is my stress levels down? So this sounds like this is something great um, for everybody. And I, and, and I want all of our podcasters to say, hey, you know, I need to get down there and I need to find out what this, well, this class on the 13th is a woman's class, but I still want them to be able to reach out and find out and say, hey, Chip, what's going yeah. on? So yeah, listen, yeah, p people can reach me uh, through my email, chipsebastian at hotmail.com. Sebastian is S-E-B-A-S-T-I-A-N right there on the screen. Uh, they can call me straight up. I, I don't care. I'll, I'll talk to you on the phone. 859-421-1469. If people want to come, if ladies want to come to the uh, Saturday uh, event, they can go to the Emanuel Baptist website and register for it. It's 20 bucks, three hours. You're not going to get that much of anywhere else. All right. Uh, wow. And it's, and it's solid training. I mean, straight through. We always have a lot of fun because uh, it's ladies and, you know, you got to make it fun. So I take pads and women knock the fire out of those pads and they learn good stuff, you know. And So, th uh, so if it's defense class, they'll get an actual chance to do some hands-on stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, so didn't, it isn't talking. It's, it's here's how to punch. Here's how to kick. Beautiful. Here's how to beautiful. dodge. Here's how to, you know, kick somebody where it really hurts. Here's how to, you know, it's all that stuff. It's not, you know. You know, let me give you the theory of martial arts from 1885. Yeah. Well, listen, I know I know <laughs> that your time is tight. And I know you've got some places to be and things like that. I do appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to us. And uh, actually, oh, Tony, oh, yep. I, I did want to say, if it's OK, uh, um, anyone who's interested can also come to the uh, UK Kempo Club. Uh, like I said, we meet on Mondays and Wednesdays, 6.30 to 8.30. That is a donation-based club. So, you know, don't let money be an object or, or a thing or whatever. Uh, if you want to train and you want to get good training, you know, that you can do for a lifetime, you know, feel free to come down and just jump in class. You, if you need to call me and talk to me about it beforehand, that's fine. Or just show up. But uh, Alumni Gym, UK Campus. Monday, Wednesdays, 6.30 to 8.30. And people can also go to the website, kempo.com And that's our main website. And they can read all about it. Uh, my, my teacher, uh, Bill Durbin, has been in Frankfurt teaching. He's, he's 70. He just turned 70. Uh, he's been teaching there um, since the 70s. And he teaches eight plus classes a week. And he works out with everybody. So to me, he's the finest example of what that can do for you over many years time and lifetime training. Wow. Uh, wow. So, you know, if you're closer to Frankfurt, if you have some Louisvillians listening and, uh, and we also have the, the Louisville club at L too, Kyo Jutiru uh, club at L. So you can check into that. Uh, Jeremy Briley is the contact there. You can find it so, very easily online. So really so. there's no reason to not be able to get this training. 
Nah, There's really nah. no reason. You've got nah. it everywhere. No, nah. if you're interested in doing it, and it, listen, it's a good environment. Going back to what we were talking about before, it's not an aggressive pitting people against each other's stuff. You know, you, you come in, it's a family-style environment. We go through a warm-up. We've got stretching and push-ups and all this other stuff. And then you get to it and you learn whatever you're doing for the night. It might be jujitsu, throwing choking it might be weapons it might be here's how to do gun defense knife defense so uh, you know come and try out a class and then if you don't like it then just don't come back but you know but you don't want to write it off because you think it's going to be an aggressive you know cage fight or something because that's all you see anytime people think martial arts they think it's cage fighting most people who are serious martial arts they're not cage fighting please understand that because martial arts, remember, means that mar it has the philosophy of we don't want to fight. We are avoiding fighting. If I step into a cage and fight somebody, then I am not really a martial artist in the traditional sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And I like that. I think that's a good spot and a good point for us to wrap. Uh, again, Chip, thank you for uh, taking the time and coming out. Um, and, uh, uh, uh we, 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 you know, I, I think we're going to have to get together and do this again. I see it already. There, there's, there's, there's to. too much, uh, here. I think that we didn't cover, but again, I want to thank you for taking the time and coming okay. out. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate you having me on, man. And, and, uh, and I really appreciate it. It was a great time, man. So thank you very much for having me and taking the time. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. Hey, listen, if you, uh, guys, you know, you heard it here first, right? Well, you didn't hear it here first, but you heard it here. We're all about health. This is a form of health that it kind of seems like it ties the whole total health thing in. You've got your physical component. You've got your mental. You've got your relief for stress. Um, if you did not find and get the information as far as where these classes are or where you can take these classes or how you can uh, uh, get back to them, don't worry. Rewind the video. If you know somebody who may benefit from this, reach out. Share the video with them. Let him know. You've seen Chip. You've just talked, you, you watch me talk to him. So you know he's a good guy. He's family-oriented, family-focused, and the training seems to be more realistic uh, than what you see in the movies. And so it's not going to be that Hollywood stuff, all right? Remember, your total health, and you've got total health things going on. You want to be on the podcast? Definitely reach out. Because like I always tell you, I ain't hard to find. I'm going to keep it real with you. Hugh Vine Wellness and Spa. I don't get into the spa a lot. I'm just a man's man and that ain't what I do. Not saying that there's nothing wrong with men who do go there because, listen, beautification is a beautiful thing. It's all part of health and it's all part of wellness. But I will tell you this. This soap here, this black soap, listen, it's that charcoal soap is what it is. Bing. You got it? I want to make sure you got it all in there. Phenomenal. When I tell you, when I tell you, Using this soap, I actually felt so much better. My skin felt so good. Their slogan is skin that you'll want to show off. And believe me, it is skin that you want to show off. Definitely make sure you get a chance to check it out. Uh, Hugh Vine Wellness and Spa. You can Google them. You can Facebook them. You can YouTube them. You can Instagram them. You can send smoke signals if you need to send smoke signals. I'm sure they will be able to take care of you.